0: or any way that I can make this a better experience for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. Hello, and welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm here today with Jay Dyer, who has been on twice before, one of my favorite guests. Alex, he does the fourth hour on Alex Jones. And I think Alex just recently referred to you as being the lead researcher and top authority on the New World Order. Um, And he's doing great work on his channel jay's analysis and uh, i always tell everyone you know i'm the annoying person who i send people the white papers and most people don't really want to read them right. <laughs> so i tell them exactly. to go and watch jay's analysis of the white paper because oh, that's the you. next best thing <laughs> yeah so uh yeah because uh, they tell you their plans and uh you know he's right. telling me how crazy I am I'm like I'm I'm not like predicting things I'm just sharing what you know they they've said right. to so yeah. <laughs> yeah so how are you doing today
1: doing really well I'm glad to be with you again we've had really good conversations people really enjoyed those so I'm glad to be back and uh, so you got a new background there with lights and everything so I
0: do purple is my favorite color we're working mm-hmm. on it I'm also in the process of trying to set up the in-person uh Studio, but the technology, right? So, yeah, right. I could do that. That would be super fun. Um, The technology is a bit of a learning curve for me. I'm, uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, working on all that. But, uh, yeah, so I wanted to dive in today. You know, math formation psychosis is like a very hot topic right now. Um, you know, been codified by Matthias Desmond and Dr. Robert Malone has popularized it and Google' banning it everywhere, um, but it's definitely not new, right? Le bon wrote The Crowd back in, I think it was 1895. Um, yeah, so I thought you could probably speak a little bit to how, uh, you know, these terms get coined and there's all this theory around them um, and then they become weaponized <laughs> against people, you know, they, I, they, I feel like it's interesting because I think they, they make it sound like here's the analysis of what's actually happening. But the reality is that a lot of what's happening didn't just happen naturally, you know, a lot of these psychological phenomenons have been right. created. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, I think the the, the terms, like, I remember having college classes where we talked about Um, Mob psychology, crowd psychology, and that's a very well-known thing. Many philosophers have written on this. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's the famous liberal philosophers like Hannah Arendt. They've written on tyranny and mob psychology. And usually it was the people from the left that would critique this because they were interested in um, the notion that, you know, the tyrannical governments of the 20th century, fascism, Stalinism, etc., these were uh, crowd, hypnosis, mob, collectivist, controlled entities where people didn't have critical thinking. And the weird thing that's happened now is that the what was known as, quote, the left now is in charge of their own version of this kind of a thing with the religious attitude that people have towards what you're supposed to accept now and and what's necessary in terms of the last two years of craziness so what was formerly you know 50 60 70 80 years ago considered um fascism or the merger of public and private partnerships is now supposedly the face of quote liberalism Mm -hmm. and it's just a really weird inverted kind of control structure that has been erected. And so it's not surprising that the very things that classical liberalism studied and tried to oppose would now be the very things that liberal elites uh, push on everybody from the top down.
0: Right, interesting. I Yeah, I feel like there is, and this speaks to kind of this idea of mass formation psychosis being created and then you know coined but i feel like they push everybody towards one direction and then they blame that you know they blame like whatever it is like you know it's uh I, I mean when you're talking about fascism communism you know they they say like that's the problem but then they use that you know and then they blame capitalism and they create you know this is the alien yeah. dialectic and they create the fascist yeah. takeover which is right is what we're we're seeing. So when I look at, you know, how they coin it, they they say there's four things that need to be there's the masses that we and we've certainly seen this, you know, in the past two years. The masses need to feel isolated and alone. They need to feel their lives are pointless and meaningless. They need to feel a constant free-floating anxiety. And then the the masses feel this like frustration and aggression. And of course, then they present, you know, some sort of. A solution that everybody is going to, uh, you know, gravitate towards because they're in this desperate state. Uh, but I'm curious if you have thoughts on like each of those and how we got to that. I mean, yes, we've gotten to that. I think it's kind of we can certainly talk about it over the past two years what they've done. But I think that it's been building for so long. They right they I don't think they could have just done it with the measures that because. 10 years ago, people would never have accepted the measure they used to get us, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of um, wartime research played into this. And I just did a talk with uh, Burmess the other day about the RAND Corporation. And the RAND Corporation really pioneered this usage of global fear uh, campaigns. So going back to the time of the Cold War, the RAND Corporation was able to engineer America into accepting this role as, needing to be involved in a global conflict in order to save everybody from communism and while it was true that communism was a bad evil system there's a lot of western elites that were actually funding and fostering communism and the reason for that is that it's as you said a managed dialectic so i think that if you look at the rand corporation's usage of fear campaigns and mob mob psychology in terms of how to marshal the country into supporting whatever the elites had planned, it's it's the usage of all these uh, techniques and tactics. And um, the four things that you mentioned there actually come up as strategies and plans that probably, uh, and I can think of some of them explicitly, but probably all of those would have been designed at something like the Rand Corporation in terms of not just academics talking about stuff in random universities that may or may not be relevant, but actually taking academics who have those kinds of ideas, recruiting them into something like the Rand Corporation, and then using those techniques on a mass scale, not just in the US, but globally. And the Rand Corporation, for example, did this with the way that they constructed the fear campaigns around Cold War and, and nukes. That was all Rand Corporation fear strategies. And they had studied the techniques both of fascists and of Trotskyites and Red Terror, and they all combined those into um, what we know as neoconservatism, basically. Uh, and so it thrives on mass fear campaigns. That's 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 fundamentalist number one, and that atomizes everybody because people are the more paranoid, afraid of everything. Oh, then they're going to get nuked at any moment. Oh, there's uh, Russian spies everywhere, right? And you see the same exact plan and strategy and model after the end of the Cold War rolls over into the war on T-E-R-R-O-R. It's always it's the same stuff uh, of managed dialectics of so-called people that are, you know, some bin Laden so-called terrorists who used to work for the CIA. He was part of the Mujahideen that was recruited um, and set up by uh, Zbigniew Brzezinski in the Soviet conflict to fight against the Soviets on the part of the CIA in Afghanistan. And so these fabled enemies, these uh, uh, these kind of controlled puppet cutout figures who are the bad guys, they become the, the next fear campaign. And if you read 1984, you know that the great terrorist figure there, Emmanuel Goldstein, it doesn't even exist. He's a fictional character. And he is a creation of a Big Brother, who is the O'Brien character who actually wrote the book for the resistance. So the guy that... It's one of the highest higher ups at Big Brother wrote the theory and practice of oligarchical collectivism, which is the uh, supposed book by the terrorist Emmanuel Goldstein. So it's a counterintelligence trap operation is what Goldstein is. And we could look at things like QAnon as an example of that. But anyway, we're not getting into that. My point was just that um, the, the techniques are the same in the war on terror that were used in the Cold War. And they just shifted into something else. And that's why if you read the history of the Rand Corporation, it talks about how they used all those techniques from the Cold War and just applied them to the War on Terror and Desert Storm and all this stuff. And they were successful in selling America on these ideas precisely because they had created an atomized population, a fear-obsessed over irrational things population. And I think that what we're seeing with um what you're talking about what we're talking about with mass formation psychosis or just mob psychology is the perfecting of that technique from a scientific vantage point to where they can pretty much just corral the public into accepting anything because they 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 fall into this kind of catatonic state where they they kind of become just passive cattle uh and they can't react to anything because the media has done the job of traumatizing them. and sometimes if you do trauma studies people uh they don't always just go crazy they become kind of um they they enter like a catatonic state and so they just become these kind of docile creatures from trauma from and the media has the role of being the mass trauma um it's basically just a giant MK Ultra operation. That's all it is, is to just keep you in a perpetual state of fear and anxiety. And that atomizes that, uh, then causes people to just sort of default to whatever the authority, whatever the experts say. And that's exactly the, the psychological warfare technique's intended goal. That's why this is so effect, uh, effectual at doing what they want.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious, I know you've done so much research on uh, MKUltra. What do you see as the, uh, some of the MKUltra studies that they've done that are like most effective right now, or that we're seeing the results of now?
1: Well, today's fourth hour, I covered one of the documents. It's a recent UK uh, Ministry of Defense, German government document on transhumanism. And that document has several sections that cover Things that were actual older MCulture programs. So, a lot of the MCulture programs evolved from truth serums and mind control and drugs into um, bodily modification, biometrics, bioengineering, genetic modification. So, it literally becomes like super soldier programs. It becomes DARPA type of stuff. And um, that is what is being rolled out on everyone through what's going on right now. And the, the document talks about future plans to. Uh, either use nanotech or microchips or some something like that for the whole population. So um, all of those, all the transhumanist stuff, actually comes out of MKUltra. So that's the biggest thing that I see from MKUltra kind of being at play. But other more obvious things might be studies into uh, trauma, uh, dissociation, dissociative states, what trauma does to not just individuals but everyone. And I think a lot of the terror events um, part of their, uh, job. I mean, they have many functions, but the big scale events, big, the big nine, the part of the purpose of those things is to traumatize the public. Um, war can traumatize the public, but it's much easier than, than actually having a war or something like that, than just the media just lying. And so the people default to the media. And so that's like their replacement daddy figure. And, well, you know, some of the documents talk about manipulating people's relationships to archetypal figures like mother, father. And so if one of those entities is missing in someone's life and hence the um, advantageous uh, perspective from the state's vantage point to break up the family, because if one of those archetypal figures is missing or both of them. The default is that the state becomes the new daddy or mommy, nanny state, daddy state, big brother, right? Big sister. and they, they become, um, uh, almost godlike basically. And, uh, I'm not saying this from the vantage point of libertarianism versus, uh, statism. I'm saying this from the vantage point of, uh, the top, you know, 0.01% that controls all of these ideologies. Um, they manipulate the left and the right, but leftism has a particular, um, destructive quality for the social order. So they will promote all the leftist ideas in terms of the social order, uh, to destroy society, to wreck it, to integrate it vertically. And then, um, right-wing stuff is really just kind of a cutout puppet caricature that they used as a, as a controlled boogeyman, uh, to scare people. So really, uh, all of these things fit into dialectics fit into trauma by trauma-based mind control basically is, is what you're what you're asking about
0: yeah I, I'm curious to when you say uh, I, I absolutely agree with you Could you elaborate a little bit on when you talk about like the you know the left working through kind of the uh replacement of archetypes and the social structures and the right being like the uh the boogeyman <laughs> yeah kind of
1: well, I mean, and it can be different things at different times. So I remember back uh, after the Big Nine event. It, if you questioned the Big Nine event, you were a liberal, and I was always a questioner of the Big Nine event, but never a uh, a, a supporter of, you know, something like the Democratic Party. Uh, and I wasn't really a fan of GOP or anything either. But, right. um, yeah. So I think, what was your question? I already forgot. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Um, So how does I think, you know, we how does the left work through the social structures? I think we kind of alluded to that already. But Mm -hmm. how does then the right, you know, uh, work to the way I see it personally is that the right kind of does the job of executing it while having the illusion of creating structure and protection, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so they do it through these different agencies that are supposedly having our best interest at heart uh one of my particular pet peeves is and this is very much a, a line on the right but like hold the line you know you always hear people on the right saying that hold the line mm-hmm. and i hate that because i'm like well if you're playing a game tug of war and you hold the line you keep holding line and they keep uh, pulling you're going to be miles down the road right so you don't want to hold mm. the line you want to push back um and you want to question and you don't just want to hold the line on a premise that, you know, needs to be rejected and uprooted altogether. So, but I'm curious, like if you could elaborate a bit on how the right does that.
1: Uh, Well, the right wing, the fake right wing does that by, as you said, giving the appearance of supporting um, order structure, um, family faith tradition, but those have so evolved that they really don't mean anything anymore because the, mainline right-wing um is essentially worthless and basically just the left of a few years ago so it's it's an ever-moving overton window as it's sometimes called so really right-wing left-wing don't really mean anything anymore except that they are um basically all uh moving towards um technocracy so that's the overriding structure and plan um the left-right stuff is really just totally irrelevant. It doesn't even matter. We, we've moved into like just total uh, Machiavellian power politics. I mean, it was probably always that way, but um, I mean, people that are into the left and the right, like they actually, they still believe voting is a thing. It <laughs> be voting is voting. Elections have been rigged for the last hundred years. So um, voting isn't even really a thing. I mean, quigley says that the presidential elections for the last 100 years have been controlled by by the elite so anyway um right trauma-based mind control i think is the key to understanding what the media's job is which is to just really disempower you make you feel uh you know worthless uh, alone um we even had the the tech tech elite people you know a year or two ago saying Yes, uh, social media was designed to make you feel alone, to make you jealous, envious, atomized, and to disempower you and to break up families. And so it, that's actually what it does. It serves that function. So basically, left and right are, I mean, I, I think probably your audience would agree they're controlled things. Doesn't mean there's not true and false, but the left and the right stuff is all just a puppet show. But um, I think that a lot of people are waking up to that. So they're starting to realize that, you know, politics is kind of worthless, but they really do utilize this system to make people feel like they're uh, involved and that their votes mean something and that they're going to change things through voting. And it's, it's just a, a great way to channel people's energy and time and effort into things that are futile because the politicians don't really run things. I mean, it's, it's, even if you change out the, throw out the, the scoundrels, I mean, do you think that a guy who makes $200,000 a year as some Senator or whatever, or a million dollars a year, uh, who do you think has more power, him or a guy with billions? Like right. who do you think really runs things? Um, so that mythology is still ongoing because people think that, you know, these, these political solutions are going to do anything, but, uh, anyway, I don't, it's just, we're just way further down the rabbit hole than, um, uh, you know, pol- political stuff.
0: Yeah, for sure. I have two questions. So you were saying that they they admitted that the uh, social media was designed to make people yeah. feel and so who who admitted that? Where what was it's where- the
1: developers and and in one case the uh, the major developers coders and when one one or two cases the CEO.
0: Wow. I and mean, the clips
1: are still on YouTube. You can go look them up.
0: Right. Okay. Wow. And that's
1: because that that's precisely what they're designed to do. I mean, the technocracy is literally there to end the family. I mean, the document I just covered today says uh we're gonna have to give up the idea of um moral obligations to family and friends. Because the state, in terms of the technocratic state, overrides that you have a duty that's higher to them.
0: Wow. Um so, and I want to get into that, but before we do, uh, what are your thoughts on the, so we're talking about how we're so far down the rabbit hole, that we're beyond the political structure, certainly, right, right and that they're they're all really just puppets, um, and you, you talked about quickly saying that, you know, elections have been- well, Let me be
1: clear. There are some people that do work to get elected on, at the local level, so I'm not saying every single person is a puppet, but they don't really, you don't really get- into real positions of power, you know, outside of maybe local government, you know, and and they even try, they even try to buy off the local people, the mayors and people like that, and these UN programs. So even local politicians get co-opted and bought off.
0: Yeah, I I would say, I think people should take more, pay more attention to local politics and then maybe we could effectuate some sort of change, Um, you know, and I think uh, the founders of this country, certainly that, that was what- structure we're predicated on was that all politics exactly yeah Um, and that is where any power could possibly be attained um power in the sense of really effectuating change right right self-governance um but i'm curious about um the inception of these institutions so that's something i feel like i have this conversation with people a lot you know they're like no they've all been infiltrated you know this this is the um, the argument that I hear a lot and I don't dispute this certainly certain organizations have been infiltrated um, but I think that some have been kind of designed that way from the beginning I'm curious your thoughts on that and which ones? Well, could
1: you be more specific what, what, what yeah. kind of, I mean some uh, of the institutions
0: yeah certainly some of the intelligence institutions um, you know and the uh, and, and even the structure of you know the the voting system, the two party Mm -hmm. system, Um, I guess those are the two kind of big ones, but.
1: Well, I mean, in terms of, so intelligence stuff used to be a military thing. It was part of the domain of of warfare. And then as things kind of became more and more academic, so prior to the OSS, there was the inquiry, which is kind of the predecessor to American uh, intelligence and that was a bunch of nerdy academics that were not exactly a private intelligence uh, group, but it was still um, not what happens in 1942 with the OSS, because that's actually set up as a uh, adjunct of the top of the pyramid. So the people that are really controlling things, they set up the OSS, which becomes the CIA, they, they sent a bunch of British intelligence agents over to set it up with Bill Donovan it's more or less private families, Rockefellers, uh, Asters, elite people, really wealthy uh, British elites that helped to set up this parallel structure in the US government, which is now kind of a secret private thing. And that becomes um, more or less the shadow government. And they're connected to other entities even above that, like the CFR and the Trilateral Commission and Mm -hmm. um chatham house pratt house these are the royal institute for international affairs these are all interlinked groups and they make up um various steering committees and and think tanks and and, and policy committees that run the anglo-american establishment that's who controls the western power block um that's the same people behind the federal reserve right so that's who runs things so that shadow government is really just that from its inception uh parallel intelligence apparatus that is really running things. So you're right about that. Um, so I would say from the inception, they were, um, created for that purpose. You could say the CIA, some people even say the CIA is basically just a private army, of the Rockefellers. And you could say that, I think that's a better way to understand what that is. Um, and the thing about that is that it doesn't even mean that everybody in that institution for those decades in the cold war that they knew everything that was going on because that stuff is very compartmentalized so a lot of boomers and you know the generation above them they grew up believing that you know they really needed to fight the soviets they really needed to fight the cold war and again that doesn't mean the soviets were good but it just means that that there was a higher level managed dialectic between East and West, I believe, which was always intent on the end goal being a technocracy, which is what's happening right now. So the I think that there's multiple things going on. So some people are at the top uh, malicious, they're nefarious. Right. They believe that they have the mandate to do all of this in a lot of these very powerful elite families and organizations, precisely because they don't think that if you just leave it to the population to make decisions or uh, for local populations to make decisions that people are smart enough, wise enough, et cetera. And so you need this, uh, you know, top down technocracy to steer evolution. And the only way to survive is to get rid of, you know, most of the dumb people and that being, you know, everybody that they deem dumb, which is everybody, you know, who's not in the top, I don't know, 90, 95%, but that's really just a cover plan for, the kind of outrageous belief that many of them have that they can unite with technology and become immortal so there's a sort of a pseudo-religious component to this in terms of transhumanism that a lot of these most of these people are into um and now they've come out and it's just all in the open so we've been, been talking about this for 18 20 years and it was conspiracy theory and now you have these you know very prominent public figures like klaus Schwab writing books saying that that's the goal so uh, it's all kind of now uncloaked, uh, and that's why they're doing this gaslighting of throwing it in everybody's face. And uh, a lot of the the stuff that you're talking about in terms of like saying that this doesn't exist is is gaslighting. That's also a psychological warfare technique is to do to immediately lie about the thing that you're doing. Yeah, I am not having this interview with you right now. The, what made you think we were having this interview?
0: Yeah, we're not talking.
1: Are you are you having delusions again? I mean, why do you think we're having an interview right now?
0: Yeah, I, right. I'm crazy. I must yeah, be.
1: Right, so yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I have these conversations with people a lot, and I'm really trying to figure yeah. out how to bridge the gap um, because, you know, I think people have been conditioned for so long. And, you know, I, I, I realize that there are people who are completely, you know, I don't want to say lost, but there are people, you know, if you if you follow the mass formation psychosis mm-hmm. uh, model, right? There's the 30, 40, 30, and thirty percent of them are completely hypnotized and brainwashed and right. a lost case. And then there's the forty percent persuadable middle, and then there's like the thirty percent who are, you know, I, I guess awake and questioning, and they they don't actually have the capacity to be hypnotized. Um, which I actually thought that was fascinating uh, mm-hmm. when I first graduated from college. I was a certified hypnotist. And yeah, and because uh, I was an actress, I was looking for like a flexible kind of part-time mm-hmm. job. And uh, I I ended up quitting because I couldn't be hypnotized, even though I had <laughs> success with hypnotizing other people and yeah. you know, getting them to, you know, change bad habits and quit smoking, things like that. And uh, I felt really good about that, but I couldn't be hypnotized. So I felt like a fraud. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm doing this thing that doesn't work on me, but well the origins
1: of hypnosis are all MKUltra. Uh is it William I always get the two there's different uh lawyer debater there's a there's the guy who was in in terms of the there's like three is it William Jennings Bryan isn't he the famous uh CIA hypnotist but he was part of MKUltra. I think that's his name. But yeah.
0: And and what was his role in MKUltra? What, what what were they doing?
1: Well his role was as the CIA's hypnotist. He was like their main guy doing research on hypnosis to because that's just part of mind control
0: right right so now they're trying to so they've done all of these like psychological they've done the drug mind control certainly in the you know 60s um, yeah you know, a lot of that and now it seems like they're well they're not paving the way but they're using the experiments that they've done for the technological remote mind control so yes i'm idea. just
1: trying to make sure i was right i might be wrong maybe it's not william james Bryan. um i don't
0: know
1: i wanted to make sure i got that right yeah. uh but there there it's a name similar to dr william j Bryan, maybe i
0: actually don't think i know
1: it is william j., wj brian yeah so that's the cia's yes that's him um the pioneering hypnotist and if you get into MK Ultra, you'll find out that he comes up as one of their top guys. So I got I always get their names mixed up. It's William Joseph Bryan.
0: William Joseph Bryan, okay.
1: Yes. And he uh, comes up in the Sirhan Sirhan case, for example. So I think they they referenced him. You know about RFK's assassination? RFK? RFK Robert F Kennedy
0: Oh yeah the father of RFK No
1: the brother who was assassinated by Sirhan Sirhan so Sirhan Sirhan was who supposedly assassinated him in 1968 Okay Okay uh and he the, the has always claimed that he was mind control mm-hmm. uh and that he doesn't remember what happened that day and so it's kind of a classic I'm not saying it's true because he claims it but um but the catalyst for the campaign uh, to free Sirhan Sirhan relates to a book written by a British author named Peter Evans, who points out in CIA documents interviews that the CIA hypnotist Dr. William Joseph Bryan also worked in mind control programs and was later found dead in a Las Vegas hotel room in mysterious circumstances. So apparently, there's a connection between William Joseph Bryan and sirhan sirhan the assassin of rfk anyway point of all that was just to say that that's that's who i was thinking of and i was thinking of it because he's also connected to the rfk assassination
0: ah interesting um well i i i mean i i don't know but i would imagine they use these techniques to execute and control different um power players you know to
1: well, I mean, so that's the theory—one person's theory people's theory about the sleeper assassin. Um, I'm not saying that that's what happened in the RFK case. I don't know, but whether there are um, CIA programs that were in, that were studying hypnosis is beyond doubt. I mean, they—you uh, know—the Enneagram and like the personality profile and test—that yeah. all comes out of MKUltra. And
0: what are they like? Why <laughs> I guess that's yeah, so
1: that was uh, cooked up by Dr. John Gittinger and the idea was that if you are, for example, if you work in the CIA, you want to be able to know what uh, a world leader's decision choice decisions might be, how will he operate? what are his weaknesses, what are his weak points, what are his strong points? And so if you had a, a an easily accessible personality profile based on a limited amount of facts or information you might be able to have uh, a good way to categorize that person oh uh, you know putin is an intf person who will i I mean i don't even know what intf i don't know but that's why they did it was to be able to to um you know categorize world leaders but there's also other reasons why they, they they wanted to find out people's weaknesses and so you if you know a person's Pressure points and weaknesses. Uh, if they uh, were missing, uh, let's say you wanted to influence somebody or send them a handler. If they ha- lacking a father figure, you would send a fatherly man into their life. Right. So that's why the personality assessment program. So it begins in the CIA, and then supposedly they didn't really. It wasn't. It didn't work that well. But then the corporations adopted it. So then they just took it from all that research, and and corporations started using it.
0: Right. Um, yeah, so now we're, I feel like they're, they've taken, I, to me, I see it as kind of like they they build on these different things. You know, they they test and then they, they test and then they use, and then they, you know, do beta testing rounds and see how it worked. Um, and then they build on that. And I, I feel like the uh, psychological operations that they've done, they you know, they had to test and create all these psychological models and structures. And then they test them, see how they work, and then they execute and implement to further whatever agenda they have. Sure, right. Uh, and now, I, because they are trying to get to this, you know, emergence of the essentially the transhuman agenda, so now they're starting to utilize those as mind control. Um, I started digging into some of the research on. I don't know if you looked into uh, Charles Lieber and uh all the patents yep. he has right um yeah, i was
1: following all that at the time when when oh, were first, you okay yeah back in what was it march of whenever kufid's first appeared that the articles were coming out originally at that time okay which is curious but yeah
0: yeah so he i mean that was like 20 years ago right that you
1: no, 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 I'm talking about when he first came under investigation. It was on uh, okay. Department of Justice.gov where they said they were going after him. Right when the coupid started happening in March of 2020, right. So that's when they said they announced on the government website that he's under investigation for I don't know espionage for China or something.
0: Right with that. The, but that's, I feel like it's a decoy because most of the research he was doing was on all the nanobot technology and how
1: it can control
0: mind control.
1: Oh, you know, okay. No, I didn't actually know that. No.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. That's most of what he has. Like. Okay. I don't know how many patents, but it's a, a very large number of patents. Oh,
1: patents. wow. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Patents.
0: So <laughs> he has a very large number of patents and they're mostly on the nanobot technology um, and now they're re- talking about, I just recently saw an article on the uh, like uh, DNA antenna that they're using, nano antenna. Have you seen this? Um,
1: uh, I don't know what you're referring to, but I've heard of this, yeah.
0: So they're de- using nano, nano antennae made out of DNA uh, to create uh, radio waves, to, no, sorry, not radio waves, to um, detect different proteins different mm-hmm. protein structures mm-hmm. uh, so I can only I mean I, I I can only theorize what that would be utilized for but it certainly seems like it would fit into this web of what they're doing with you know the jabs and
1: yeah yeah no I, th- I definitely believe that the jabs are um nanotech related and um I mean obviously this is a Hollywood sort of over the top thing but did you see that movie with mm-hmm. Samuel L Jackson and John Cusack called Cell?
0: Cell? No. From
1: 26 It's a Stephen King story that they made into a movie in 2016. Mm-hmm. And um it's basically that they're mutating humans into becoming it's like a zombie outbreak thing but they're mutating the humans to be controlled by cell towers. And so it's basically that. So it's it's turning humans into being kind of um well, the document I covered today called them human platforms. So you're basically a walking router or modem is what, oh. what the way the, do- so the, the document I covered today on Alex was this one, which is the okay. the transhumanist document. And it starts off by saying that humans are just kind of, they call them platforms. You're, you're just a platform for the tech that they want to further. And so you, will have your DNA fixed so that you can fit into the Borg hive system. And anyone that doesn't is they say a security risk because you're, you're not, your DNA isn't fixed. And so you can become a spreader, a super spreader.
0: Wow. And those are the terms they use. So they can put it under the guise of the virus that they're scaring everyone about.
1: Well, this document isn't directly about COVID, but I'm saying that that's what it's, the document is saying that in the future, uh, well, this is a brand new document, by the way, just came out. It's not an old document, but it says in the future, whoever doesn't go along with being integrated into the global brain system is going to be considered a a biosecurity risk because the current age that we're in, the information age is supposed to give way to the next age, which is the uh, biotech age. So in other words, transhumanism is the future. That's the next age after the current age that we're in. It's what Klaus is talking about in fourth industrial revolution. And and that age, the new age is to be um, integrated into the global Skynet system. And if you don't get integrated into it, you're a security threat because it says and they'll use the fear, you see. So all of the fear that everybody's under right now, if, oh, if you, if you haven't had the stabby, you're, you're causing everybody to die, right? Sure. It, this says the exact same thing, that in the future, they'll, they'll just mandate microchips and nanotech for the population because the people that aren't doing it are the security risks. So they're, what am I trying to say? You know, like, so remember after the big nine event, everything became about security. Yep. whether you could walk in the airport, whether you could do this, because there might be a terrorist everywhere. There's a terrorist, there's terrorists everywhere. So now all liberties have to be surrendered yep. for security. Right. And one thing that 9-11 didn't immediately go the the post 9-11 legislature and all that legislation didn't go after was the human body. That's right. why Klaus says that the next domain is your own body. He says we will be in your body we will change you and that's why the document says that you in order to do that the next fear campaign will be that people that aren't chipped and aren't linked into the matrix are security risks because they are walking uh what pandemic generators
0: right
1: Right. yeah isn't
0: that crazy i mean that's crazy um well, the, the, the technology that Lever works on does talk about nanobot technology that can mm-hmm. be administered through needles. And it does say that radioactive oh, wow. towers can activate it.
1: Oh um, yeah, okay.
0: Like a 5G tower could activate it, but that not at the, not that the Hertz that are used for cell phones, it would have to be okay. a much greater magnitude. But right, They have the capacity to be turned up to that level. Um, well that's
1: what Brzezinski talked about in 1973 in his book was that they would do that so I'm, I'm not surprised that that's
0: that that's what he's done. talking
1: about I did see the NIH paper that confirmed that there is a connection between the five mm-hmm. and um the stabbies
0: yeah and and they the way they say they, they do it is with the uh, payloads so it's a needle that administers a yeah. nanobot technology yeah. and it's a payload that can be activated
1: okay yeah right. Yeah. So, you gotcha know,
0: like any anything can be used for good or bad you can have pay- i'm sure not they're not doing payloads of vitamin d that would be great but
1: <laughs> right uh, yeah
0: you know um yeah. but the different levels of when you talk about how they layer it with you know they have to create this fear right i recently had a Dr. Robert Young on, and he talked a lot about, um, you know, this whole connecting to the internet of things. And he said that every time there's been a, uh, you know, viral outbreak, a pandemic of sorts, that there has been some sort of a toxin that's been manufactured combined with some sort of radiation. um, And that that has been true throughout, you know, all of these major like MERS and you know SARS oh okay, yeah, and certainly going you know back throughout history that in all of these different iterations, uh-huh. of, you know the, the quote unquote pandemic that we now right. need to take these extreme measures against, that that there has been that, um, but I think that that's just interesting because I think it has something to do with the the conditioning of the medical system. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, and how, and you, you were, you were talking about the Rockefeller before, and they were certainly instrumental in changing the medical system, you know, yeah. the Flexner report. 18, uh, exactly. 1810, yeah.
1: So what, what was the point about the, uh, I didn't, I missed. So, I mean, I know about the, um, you know, the history of the Rockefeller's taking over the medicine, but what, what do you, what is it that the doctor was saying about radiation? I'm confused. So
0: he was saying that they've, uh, created toxins and then they're like manufactured toxins um so the example we'll take the current one right that this has been a manufactured toxin um and then it's combined with radiation so that's creating like a essentially like a a talk a toxicity that people are responding to
1: so in other words it's dormant until that's activated you're saying yeah. Or not necessarily?
0: Not okay. necessarily. In this case, I know the technology that, you know, Lieber working on, which I think is, you know, correlates to, I, I think, the stab use. I mean, yeah, I, right. there seems to be ample evidence to support that, you know, I, I, right. I can't agree with that just yet, but um, that does seem to be likely. But that's, that's separate from the current, uh, you know, toxin that's been manufactured. Um, and then combined with radiation, because we are, you know, in a you know, we're in a milieu of constant bombardment of EMS and very heightened yep. radiation. And right. um, so it's not that human beings can't handle uh, radiation. You know, we can, we're detox machines. That's, that's the beautiful thing about the human body. We're designed to detox. Um, but when we're overloaded, um, and of course, if you don't have a, uh, you know, I, I'm sure you're familiar with like terrain and germ theory, if you don't have the internal terrain, um, I, I don't, I'm not somebody who thinks that there's just, uh, I think people get very caught in like binary thinking, it's like all one, it's all the other. And I think that's really, that's the the dialectic, right? It's a, it designed that way so that people can argue back and forth about which one's right when it's really a combination. Because um, mm-hmm. even the exosome theory sub- subscribes to germ theory in part, it's just not in the model that we're familiar with, not the model that's been promulgated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. So I, all that just to say that when there's new uh, radioactive uh, technology that's being introduced, then the human body has to acclimate to that. And if you already have high levels of toxicity, or there's a new toxin that's being introduced, um, that becomes harder and certain people are going to have- so This is,
1: Laura, this is a, a binary weapon. Binary weapons are where you have kind of two different, um, the active agent and something else that has to be combined with it for, for it yeah. to be active. And that one of them might be toxic, or they might both be toxic, but together, they really become toxic. And um, a lot of the global elites talked about doing that covertly. in in previous documents, for example, there's a section in um, Arthur Kessler's Ghost of the Machine, where he talks about um, having certain chemicals in the water that will combine with chemicals in food or in the body that in on their own they don't do anything or they're not that toxic but when they combine they become very toxic and lethal and he's saying to to get the population down so um binary binary weapons are real so it sounds like that maybe it could be a form of that where um the stabbies are bad and then even worse combined with the emf and the, the wi-fi basically
0: Yeah, and I, I, so this is twofold, because certainly it correlates to the stabbing. The stabbing sounds like they're a binary weapon, That like, I didn't realize they actually wrote about this. That makes perfect sense. And that's why they would uh, implement that. But it's also, uh, you know, the current virus and these different viruses are also, um, at least that's the theory that was being put forth. Mm -hmm. And, you know, throughout history, it does seem like there is a correlation um I, I I don't know, I'm not steeped in virology that's not my um, but I do think that there's something that is being we know I think we know a lot less actually about virology and about medicine than what we're being told and yeah, we're being, I think right? That's right. and we're being uh, we we're being sold different models so that we can uh, I hate to be like you know, super paranoid about it but i do think we're being sold specific models so that they can then sell us a solution to sure
1: yeah that's definitely the case yeah 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 i don't i don't have a a position on the uh germ theory i've heard arguments both ways uh i just i don't know enough about it but uh i'm fine with being skeptical sure
0: (laughs) right yeah i i think that is i think it's and i think this is human nature to some extent like to you know without even being super uh cynical about it. I think human nature, you want to understand things. And when things become super complex and nuanced for people, rather than being able to admit that they can't uh, deal with the shades of gray and the nuances and that it's over their heads, they want to glob on to yeah. the things that resonate for them and they reject the rest. So, exactly. you know, that's that's just human nature. It's not necessarily an affair. I do think that it, it becomes, uh, you know, uh, weaponized when there there's a profiteering model for it,
1: absolutely, and, yeah, I totally agree.
0: People who have a lot at a lot invested in doing just that. So that that brings me to I'm curious your thoughts on all of the. We have a lot of uh, I don't know the the, the buzz you right now is really like controlled opposition. Everybody is controlled opposition, um, and I think there is a lot of controlled opposition to some degree. Um, But I think it's also a way of, I think it's, in some ways, it's become like the new conspiracy theorist term, which there's actually, I'm sure you're familiar, there was actually a document, you know, uh, the I think it was 1035-960, you know, in uh, 1957 to avert any investigations of the Warren Commission. That was how Mm -hmm. they popularized the term. The
1: term conspiracy, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, And it was just a way of shutting down the conversation. And I think Controlled opposition has become kind of that new buzzword. Um, so anybody who may be an authority, there are a lot of, you know, quote unquote authorities in this current milieu um, where they're coming forth and speaking and they may be uh, voicing opinions that are based predicated on a uh, a narrative that's been sold. I don't want to say necessarily a false narrative because I don't know enough to know, but it may be a narrative that's being you know, sold and it's a premise that we don't know if it's 100% accurate, but they're being labeled as a, you know, their controlled opposition. And I, I, to me, it just looks like it's it's just they're shutting down both sides of the conversation. It's like, okay, don't look over here because I'm curious your thoughts on that and, uh, you know, how that's come to be.
1: Are you talking about in alternative media circles or people that come out as mainstream whistleblowers that are controlled? Because we saw uh, what that Facebook whistleblower from a few months ago, that was totally fake. Right. That one was obvious. Um, I think that the COINTELPRO style operations um, in January were pretty obvious. Um, So those are things that come to mind. There's also some uh, cults recently that were discovered to have Kind of being run by uh, provocateurs so is that what you're talking about or what do I, you mean i
0: think i'm really talking about um you know in the mainstream media yes there's lots of controlled opposition i mean mm-hmm. and that's kind of i think much more overt uh um, yeah. <laughs> you know and i don't think that takes a whole lot of Unless you're completely seeped into the mainstream right. narrative and you're, you know that that's your gospel, then I don't really think that that's
1: like you're talking about like uh, people that are whistleblowers um, about that? the stabbies.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is really where I was going with that. And I, I- um,
1: I'm sure there's gonna be. I honestly have I've heard a uh, a lot of the names and I've listened to a lot of the interviews of some of them. Yeah, but I don't actively follow um, all of these these doctors. So okay. Um, so I don't have much of an opinion on any of the nest like the big name people per se, just because I, I hear the stories, but I don't, cause a lot of that stuff, it's hard to know. I mean, I'm sure there are, uh, there, the, you know, false whistleblowers amongst those people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I honestly don't know enough about each of these individual, you know, doctors or people to say,
0: right. Okay. I think my my concern is just that I think that regardless of whether, so for, we'll, we'll just take to for, for simplification, you know, like the germ terrain theory. But a lot of people are arguing about that. They take, you know, a polarizing position on it. And then they're going to reject everything that comes from somebody because they're yeah, 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 creating right. a narrative that they think is a false premise. Um, but to me, you know, like you were saying before that not everybody who, uh, you know, fought in the Cold War was necessarily a very sinister person, right. you know, they right. didn't necessarily know that they were, they, they can't see the big picture when you're, right. like, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I think that really, I mean, this might sound a little arrogant, but not many people see the big picture because you kind of have to study a bunch of different areas. Yeah. And so really very like you got to be up in like the kissinger brzezinski level of stuff to know the overall plan right. because they're the brains that work for you know the zillionaires um so they see from that you know bird's eye vantage point point. and most people even in in academia and government they're very compartmentalized and focused on their niche so they don't study cross discipline so they don't even know what you know uh these other things these other domains are up to. Um, one thing I always strove to do in my research, even though when you go to college, grad school, you'd have to focus a little bit, you do have to some kind of, have some kind of uh, areas of, of focus or expertise. I wanted to not be, you know, limited to one subject. So I just wanted to have a broad renaissance style and you know, overall type of view. And I think that that has helped me to be able to piece together a lot of things and see a lot of stuff. Not that I'm anything special, it's just that I just always viewed it from a, a grand picture bandage point, and that makes it easier to figure out what's going on. Now, the downside of that, obviously, is that I don't know—I don't know anything about virology. <laughs> that's not my area. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't have any problem questioning it, but um, you know what I can see is what the geopolitical stra- strategists and planners talk about from their books and how they see this stuff playing out. And really, you know, I'm not saying it doesn't matter in the sense like it's not worth debating. You can debate these things, but um, it's just I don't think that it's really relevant. I mean, I, I don't see Brzezinski or Kissinger any of these people debating terrain and germ theory. Not that you can't have the debate. Right. But I'm saying I just don't think it matters to the overall technocratic plan. I mean, they're going to bring that in. Or the, I mean, we don't. It's not inevitable. They might fail, but you know what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, um, I don't know that the uh, theories themselves matter. But I think that the strategy of, you know, creating the opposition, and then making people the fall guys or making people or discrediting people, you know, it, right, it, it's right, a strategy.
1: That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, cognitive. So that there's a version of that called, uh, are you familiar with cognitive infu- infiltration? No. So Cass Sunstein wrote a paper some years ago back when he was working in the Obama administration on psychological warfare and how to disrupt conspiracy movements and alternative media. And his theory of cognitive uh, infiltration was just to get a bunch of government agents to go in and interject a bunch of stupid, idiotic conspiracy theories. And then it just destroys the whole thing and makes everybody look stupid. But he wrote a whole paper on it. It's a well-known strategy. (laughs) So, I mean the idea that, you know, there's no such thing as psyops and it's not being done on you is ludicrous. I mean, there's, I had college undergrad classes about this stuff, so.
0: Did you really? Oh, I wish I had.
1: Well, I mean, I don't mean about psyops. I'm saying like I had an undergrad class uh, on uh, social theory and we got into mob psychology. We got into all the different sociologists at Durkheim and all these people. And their theories of how you know the social works and societies run. Um, so the idea that mob psychology is not a thing is just ludicrous
0: well for sure it's definitely a thing yeah it's definitely a thing and we're living through it so i don't think anybody should argue. well i mean
1: just look at entertainment i mean entertainment utilizes mob psychology right i mean the entertainer gets the crowd involved and gets them all hyped up and i mean we saw mob psychology at the astro world event where people got killed at the travis scott concert so i mean
0: How much of that do you think, there's theories being put forth that that was, I mean, I definitely think the mob psychology was a huge, and it, you know, if nothing else, it's definitely the groundwork for it. It couldn't have worked otherwise, but there were a lot of theories that because, uh, you know, most people had been uh, stabbed that they, that there was some sort of uh, testing ground for that technology.
1: Uh, It's entirely possible. I don't have any proof of that, but nothing would surprise me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you, you you heard about the Supreme Court ruling today, I am guessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What What are your thoughts on that, and where that will lead us in terms of their agenda?
1: Uh, I mean, I, I honestly don't know what to say about that because, I mean, I guess in one sense, what the Supreme Court rules matters, but in another sense, it doesn't matter because they just they continue to do what they do anyway so i don't really think the global elite really care what the supreme court says so maybe that'll hold off things in the u.s for a little while maybe but beyond that i don't know what to say
0: I guess the only reason I personally see it having any impact, or at least this may just be the uh, eternal optimist in me, um, but I do think that they really target the U.S. because I think that sure. the U.S. is, you know, kind of the battleground for free will. Sure. Um, you know, my personal belief, I think the United States of America was divine intervention to preserve the free will of humanity. That's that just my personal belief. Um, you know, I, nobody else has to share that, but that, that's how I see it. And uh, I do think that they, they at the very least recognize that the United States is a huge uh, beacon for uh, free will. And that's why you see all over the world, people do look to what's happening here um, to you know, hopefully uh, you know, fight back with some of this agenda. So I think it's really hard for people to deny, although I'm hearing it constantly, you know, that, the, that there is this transhuman agenda um, and that, you know, any of this, uh, the other thing that Dr. Rock, Robert Young did w- was uh, he did research on the stabs and what was in them and found that there was the ingredients that were necessary for the stuff that Dr. Lieber okay. tested. Um, yeah, was, which was fascinating to me. Um, you know, there are other doctors who refuted that, like Dr. Fleming doesn't think any of it that is in there um so you know i've heard mixed uh, opinions but we know they've written about this agenda the agenda yes. seems to be right uh, but i would like to think that there's or at least i just like to hope that there's some way of i don't know preserving humanity <laughs> so i guess that's that's why i care what the supreme court does because it's so i i will pose the question to you what are your thoughts on how we can fight against this agenda because it seems to be moving quite rapidly um And, uh, it does not seem to be going all that well. So,
1: well, I mean, I have a religious worldview ultimately. So I think that the conflict is ultimately not social or political or whatever, or even ideological, but spiritual. So I think that's why I'm not ultimately worried about how things end up (laughs) because I think God's in control, there's divine providence. So I know that whatever happens ultimately happens within divine providence. But um, I mean, the ways that I think we fight back is to be off of the grid, to not live in cities, off the grid as best you can, um, to get back to organic ways of living, Mm -hmm. um, normal ways of living, families, um, having connections with people around you and not just living on the internet. Not getting immersed in uh the metaverse, the internet world, um, being grounded in the real world, eating healthy food, <laughs> real food, uh, carnivore diet helped me. Um, all of that kind of stuff. And my show sponsor, chalk.com. So you can get 60% off at chalk.com with okay. J60, J Y Six O. Um, so I mean, all of those kinds of things are the way that I would say we fight back and um, I'm just not really capitulating to fear. I mean, we're all going to die. So, I mean, this, this life is short. There's no point in being uh, afraid of everything and, you know, everybody being hypochondriacs all of a sudden.
0: Yeah, for sure. So I have, since you bring up the religious, I I know, and thank you. I I love the experience of going to church. Um, (laughs) um, but um, since you bring up the religious perspective, I have two questions on it. One the, so number two in the mass uh, formation psychosis is this you know feeling point, pointless and meaningless um, and I'm curious your thoughts on that because I think this uh, the erosion of religion has created this uh, you know I, I did my uh, work my undergraduate work actually my high school work as well on uh, you know I was a philosophy major and I wrote a lot on the existentialists and the existentialists were you know, huge on like, you know, like, like Nietzsche, God is dead. uh, So therefore life has no, no meaning. Um, I had kind of, and this was probably just, again, the eternal optimist to me. I never saw it as depressing and, uh, you know, as Sartre says, man is hurled into the world and thus having been hurled, he is uh, filled with despair. Um, And I never saw it that way. I always saw it as, wow, well, that means that we have, Uh, we have some kind of power, we have the ability to, you know, there's a burden in that, that our actions have consequences. Um, But it also means that, you know, we, our actions matter. And to me, that was, I, I don't know, that was inspiring to me. That was not that was hopeful to me. That meant that we're not just this like speck of dust. And not to say that we're so uh, grand and self-important, you know, but I do think that we have ripple effects. And you look at it from the religious perspective, you know it certainly says like I, I see it as like an ecosystem, and you know, there's the, the the line like you were born for times such as this. So I don't think human beings are meaningless. Um, you know, I certainly don't think that we are God, <laughs> and nor should we be striving for that. But I do think that this erosion of religion was designed to create this, uh, you know, pervasive sense of despair. Meaning, meaning. oh, absolutely,
1: yeah. I mean, um, worldviews and worldview warfare, which is something that you know, intelligence agencies and foreign policy strategists and and social engineers i mean they're very interested in ideas and religion and how they affect people and it's part of the control structure so um one of the ways that you want to destroy society is erode and destroy whatever that society's religion is right so yeah i think that and that's just that's not exclusive to christianity that's just part of how just even warfare warfare involves that kind of stuff so Absolutely, they would want to um, create not just atomized population, but also um, a nihilistic, meaningless population. I mean, that allows the state to step in, to have the role to give you meaning. And so you default to, I mean, humans are just this way, right? They treat the authority figures and the structures like they would treat the archetypal father or mother. And so when the is destroyed, when the religious traditions destroyed, those are the firewalls that would be in the way of the state, corporate state, having 100% total control. And that's what they would like to have. And so the destruction of the family and destruction of the archetypes of man and woman, that's a big part of what's been going on in terms of other movements. Um, what that does is that creates a mass listless blob that can be molded into whatever they want. And that's what they want.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think you're alluding to the, uh, like the, the transgender movement and the, right? Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. It's a war on architects. One, one of the global elite documents that I covered was that Silent Webster Quiet Wars document. And it talked about manipulating people through um, archetypes. And the way they, the example that's used is the draft, because if you don't go off to war and die for the state, you're a coward and your dad expects that of you. The mom expects that of you. You won't get married because the women will consider you a coward because this is an older document, but the document was pointing out that one thing that they, when they, the, the draft wasn't just about getting people to go to war. It was about studying social dynamics and ecosystems of humans and how they relate to one another. And they realized that the draft was one of the most powerful examples of social engineering. Wow. So it wasn't really about—I mean, it was about the war, obviously, but sure. that was just part of it. They really wanted to study psychology, the psychology of humans in regard in regarding in, in regards to uh, the draft and how people per- perceive people that were draft dodgers and this kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. So I have a question about that, but before we get to that about religion, so do you, uh, I know you've done some work, your your books talk about the, the occults. And so the, I guess the, uh, you know, satanic worshipers or the anti, you know, God people, um, do you, it it seems like there's such a parallel to a lot of this, uh, I, I don't know for lack of a better way of putting it, but just like the Marxist theory, Um, and really the inversion tactics of the occultists and you know the uh, um, yeah those documents (laughs) I feel like there's a lot of parallel what are your thoughts on that
1: between uh, yeah occult philosophy and what exactly
0: Uh, and Marxist Marxism
1: yeah well i mean marxism really- is a rebellion against um everything for rebellion's sake ultimately i mean it, it's mm-hmm. it's i mean it's not exactly anarchist but um if you look at uh rules for radicals i mean it's dedicated to satan so is the it? the yeah the book for uh i just went blank so on Lindsay?
0: that so Who? Book. So book, rules for yeah radicals.
1: it's dedicated to satan
0: yeah interesting didn't really- yeah
1: so i mean and, and i don't I don't think he necessarily really believed in the devil he may have believed in a real devil. i don't know but i mean the devil for a lot of those people is just kind of a symbolic figure of revolution and um so-called freedom but the problem is that um there's no freedom isn't like a, this concept that exists in a vacuum I and mean, freedom has to come along with the rest of a worldview or a paradigm <laughs> free to do what free for what um what does it mean to i mean it presupposes that you have a will that you're a person um, so that those are metaphysical ideas that uh one thing i would say about the existentialists is that they were consciously anti-metaphysics but the very ideas that they're using are all assuming a kind of a lot of metaphysical principles and things that they don't believe in so that's i would say fundamentally contradictory but Uh, I mean, why should we, I mean, what does it mean to be free? Like, why are we supposed to value freedom? Maybe, maybe being a tyrant is where it's at. I mean, conceivably, if I'm a tyrant, maybe I'm the most free and I just trample on everyone else that I don't like. Um, The point is that whether you agree or disagree, the point is that there's no such thing as just a brute fact, a priori idea of freedom without some kind of worldview or philosophy that gives that context or meaning. Anyway, so I don't really, and that's the approach I take to philosophy: is is paradigms, mm-hmm. worldviews. So for me, it doesn't make sense to to really think of freedom as just this sort of a priori, uh, self-evident concept that doesn't have a context. But uh, right. I've already forgot your other it's question.
0: Free from something, right?
1: Well, I mean. It's just that freedom is used by a lot of different philosophers in a lot of different ways and so just just the idea of freedom itself doesn't really tell me or mean anything it it needs a whole worldview to go along with it so what does it mean to be free i mean that assumes that you have free will free will is a metaphysical position that assumes that you're a being or an agent or a person that makes choices and being and person are metaphysical concepts so Anyway, that's just the way I think about those questions, and and so I don't. That's why I'm not a Sartrean or a, a, an existentialist. Is that uh, I mean, I understand what they were writing about, but
0: well, um, I I think what you're getting at, and uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but they, I, they, they, their framework was uh, mostly secular. So they, mm-hmm. it's not that the concepts were necessarily wrong, but they were coming at it from a, they were. In a lot of ways, it didn't make sense because they were extracting it from what it's derived from. So like if you have a religious worldview, then you have the belief that you are endowed with free will, right? Mm-hmm. So they're uh, they're essentially taking this this premise, but they're extracting it from the, the paradigm in which it sure. originated. It's- That's
1: true. Um, I just think that it, it's an invalid move philosoph- philosophically to extract that from any paradigm as if it works on its own right and the whole point of sartre and a lot of those guys is that philosophy is a joke like philosophy is not a it's um lawyers are arguing their case and they're talking about a bunch of things that don't even exist and so you know he would say that all this talk about metaphysics and all this is people hiding behind masks to try to present themselves as the philosopher or you know we're all hiding behind masks and we're we're afraid of our own um insane level of freedom we're condemned to be free and we're afraid of that so we construct all these masks and these personas to hide behind and i'm just saying that uh i think that you could you could subject his own philosophy to that same critique and say well oh, you're hiding behind the mask of being this existentialist philosopher anyway um
0: yeah. i know we're
1: we're not here to debate existentialism but uh i already forgot what we were talking about what so the i was
0: asking was. you about the correlation i guess between uh the i i don't know how else to put it but i guess the satanists and the Marxists. oh
1: yeah <laughs> well marx wrote poems to satan um there's a book called marx and satan by richard bernbrand and he goes into how the youthful marx was sort of at some level interested in satanism although i don't think again that he believed in a real being or a devil but Probably, again, just seeing them him as a, revolu- uh, a symbolic revolutionary figure. So um, that's the loose connection. Obviously, in, in my view, a lot of um, cults and a lot of mm-hmm. occult groups are also breeding grounds for patsies, for dupes, for um, people to be used by intelligence agencies. We've seen a lot of religious fanatics and people coming out of cults mm-hmm. that were actually used in entrapment operations and used in um um setups used as patsies i mean i mentioned sirhan sirhan uh, whatever the view i mean i don't believe the official stories of of any of these big assassinations but uh whether sirhan sirhan was in fact an mk ultra mind control person i don't know but i think it's possible but but what is uh certain is that he was a part of an occult group so he's hanging out with these Hermetic Rosicrucians and is, you know, having these um, hypnosis meetings and having these weird phenomena occur in his psyche. And then he goes and assassinates, you know, Robert Kennedy. So, you know, there's something to, I mean, if you look at Anton LaVey, uh, he wasn't an an agent for Interpol before he became a Satanist. Um, Scientology, I mean, L. Ron Hubbard worked for the office of Naval intelligence in some capacity. Uh, That's intelligence work. Uh, We don't know how high he was or what exactly his role was, but that he did that is a fact. So I'm just pointing out that a lot of cults and a lot of these groups, um, and even the satanic cults quite often, they have their provocateur patsy situations going on too. A lot of them are just fronts for CIA or something like that. So, um, yeah, I view, I view the cults and the Satanists and the Marxists all kind of as, as just different arms of the octopus.
0: Oh. When you say that they're fronts for uh, CIA, wh- what do you mean by that?
1: I mean that there's significant evidence and in, in many cases and documented evidence in um, multiple situations where the CIA fostered, ran and used cults as cutouts, fronts, to recruit patsies, to recruit, um, for example, uh, Timothy McVeigh was used uh, in black ops for the Oklahoma City thing as he was recruited or thought he was recruited or sheep dipped uh, into a Christian identity cult. Um, We know that there have been many Muslim patsies who were recruited into radical mosques that were run by intelligence fronts um i mean a lot of islamic stuff is a great example of this like suicide bombers a lot of those people are recruited because they're unstable people and they make great patsies um so i mean i could keep going but if you look into uh the the odd funding and connections for jim jones a lot of people suggest and i think there's good evidence to show that um the jim jones stuff was a cia operation so
0: interesting um so That leads me to the next question I was going to ask you about what we're seeing right now with the, uh, I guess, just a lot of the geopolitical tensions, right? Um, You know, I I guess it's arguable. I'm thinking, how do do I ask this? So it's it's arguable that we're already in World War III. I think that would be, or that we've already had World War III. It's kind of a claim that a lot of people make, but that we're burgeoning on the next World War. So there's all these tensions that are being stoked and uh, certainly that are being uh, talked about in the media. And I'm curious your thoughts on how much of it is uh, being manufactured, how much of it is being uh, to create fear and where we're going, I guess. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, Uh, the
1: exact degree to which things are um, just intended to be to cause fear i don't know i mean it does look like there's a real possibility of conflicts in ukraine uh there could be a war with china i don't know a lot of people think that that's the long-term global elite plan is to engineer a war with china and then bring in the new world order i don't know any of those things are possible nothing would surprise me um i but i do think that anytime there is a war or something like that uh it doesn't just happen on the spot wars are wars are planned years decades ahead of time um you could look for example at h.g wells's book the shape of things to come which was written i don't know five seven years before world world war ii and it predicts most of what occurred in world war ii right and he was part of that royal society kind of inner circle as a propagandist and a, a high level freemason and whatnot and marxist and he literally says yeah there's going to be a giant world war ii in the next five seven years something like that
0: and then we had it right yeah yeah so these wars are definitely um i forgot what i was going to ask you about that um but yeah they're definitely it seems like there's i i know we have china taiwan we have russia ukraine Mm -hmm. um and i am curious about what the potential plans for the, the global elites are um you know to uh, the the goal well, is- the,
1: the plan is to have a massive reduction of the, of the population in the next 10 years and then by 2050 have the full skynet technocrat global thing in place and the the, the hive mind so 2030 to 2050 is when that's supposed to be rolled out So I guess the next year, next several years are supposed to be (laughs) mass death. Uh, I mean, I hope that's not the case, but that's the plan. So yeah, Uh, could they, could they use more stabbies? Could they use bioweapon? Could they use a war? Yeah, could be any any or all the above, Uh, maybe an economic collapse too. I think that there might be an economic collapse in the next five to 10 years or sooner.
0: Right. Well, uh, that 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 is the Great Reset plan, right? Right. No, that's laid out. So, right. uh, I yeah. So I remember what I was going to ask you because you brought up uh, World War II. So we're uh-huh. seeing a lot of things that happened. Uh, a lot of the executions of Nazi Germany and the rise of Hitler that are being kind of replayed in you know the 2020s version of that. Um, how much do you think that set set us up for? What
1: we're seeing now well uh if you go to the my tragedy and hope lectures so i went into analyzing the 1300 page book by carol quigley who is the sort of historian archivist of the cfr he was bill clinton's mentor at georgetown so he's a, a, a an apologist a defender of the western power structure and what they did in the 20th century and that book is is mostly important for all of the admissions that it has and it admits so i lectured through the whole book um and the admissions that it has are things like, yes, the two world wars of the 20th century were engineered by the Western power structure elite, the corporate and banking elite. And they did that for many reasons. Um, obviously, they also have the Malthusian mindset. The population needs to die. Um, they have the attitude that the world needs to be integrated into a global government government. Mm-hmm. um they had uh other strategies and plans such as the anglo-american establishment basically exhausting the power and resources and manpower soldiers of the two main rivals to the british empire and the american empire being that being the Ang- uh, austro-hungarian empire and uh russia so the two wars and the cold war did that very thing they essentially um destroyed the Anything that might pose a challenge or uh, a potential challenge to uh, what Carol Quigley calls the Anglo-American establishment, and then that allows for Western liberalism to basically win out. Um, it won the Cold War as well, so now we're in this you know post-liberal order, which is giving way to the technocracy. So I think that. You can go read people back in the 20s and 30s like HG Wells, Bertrand Russell, who talked about the coming world wars and how they would do this and how they would set up League of Nations and then the United Nations and then whatever, if anything succeeds that the new global government, those were all, it was all planned and it's all one coordinated plan. um, 100%. Now that doesn't mean they plan everything in the world, but those big events are absolutely planned.
0: Yeah. So because they have planned so much and so much of it seems to be successfully executed. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it, I think that this is my view. So this is what I'm curious your view on. I, I think a lot of because people are being hypnotized because fear, uh, yeah. takes over, right. That's part of why they're able to have success in all, all of these really insane and, uh, Evil plans, right? So, um, yeah. So, I'm curious because they've been so success successful. Uh, if you think that there is any hope in stopping them,
1: again, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, from the- to me, it, to me, it vindicates the biblical uh, philosophy of history because I don't think that these are completely humanly devised things. I mean, the plans and the the knowledge and the strategies. I mean, they're so. Devious and so intricate and so sophisticated and consistent over you know the last hundred years at least yeah. that it really shows that there's something more than just the human domain. There's a higher, higher intelligence, namely Satan himself, who is the source of this plan. And so, and it makes perfect sense why he would be. He hates humanity, and he uh, desires for the human race to be destroyed, precisely because jesus is the son of god in the human race i mean it's god incarnate as a human so that's why satan hates the human race and that's why he would seek to destroy it and that is a simple perfect biblical explanation for what's happening in the world so um anyway that's my take
0: yeah no i so i i think it's just people need to feel like they're doing something so i want to give people right and uh, I want to give people, regardless of what, you know, what worldview they subscribe to, because I think that, I think the more people can take some sort of uh, power and ownership, then they can have some sort of hope. And then the less power that, you know, evil, Satan, whatever your worldview is, has, right? Um, I guess that's uh, really just the, That I I guess that's where I, I, I was going with that is just if there is something for people to to feel like they can do something. You know, like when you were saying with the Supreme Court that it doesn't necessarily in the grand scheme of things matter. But I think that people need to feel like it does matter because they need to feel like they're they're moving the needle and that they they have some impact, right? That they're
1: well, it is. I mean, it's entirely possible. I mean, every you could have, is it humanly possible for masses of people to wake up to what's going on and say, no, it is possible. So, yeah.
0: (laughs) That's what I'm hoping. (laughs) Yeah, I'm hoping that, and and that's why I think it is so important to talk about it. And it's important to, um, and I'm not very good at this, but to meet people where they're at, because I know there's a lot of people who, you know, different like people who worship the current medical system. And, uh, right? right. And you can't argue with them on it. And, uh, you know, so then, and that's part of why this rollout of the Dabs has been so effective is because, well, Big Pharma wouldn't lie to you. They have your best interests at heart. Um, (laughs) But I think the more, you know, we can educate people because some people do need just the, uh, they need to see the linear path. They need to see the logical path um even people and I, I I see this from even people who are very you know devout religious people they still need that um mm-hmm. in order to start waking up to what's going yeah. on yeah
1: yeah I agree with that
0: yeah it's the door open yeah it makes sense you would or you probably wouldn't go through all of these white papers <laughs> You're right. so.
1: well I'm a I mean my mom was a editor and a librarian so I grew up you know as a bibliophile so to me it's just you know I don't know I, I've always loved books so it's not it's nothing for me to read these books and figure out what's going on and you know it's I enjoy doing it so
0: well that's awesome and uh we'll keep doing it because because yeah really you're doing really great work and Appreciate a that. lot of people a lot of people can't read it and when I say they can't read it they they literally can't a lot of people today, Are not capable of reading. Their attention spans are too short. They have not critical thinking skill. Uh, I am astonished at actually, you know, people of fairly high aptitude, you know, arguably decent intelligence, who have really subpar. Uh, reading comprehension skills
1: yeah right
0: (laughs) you know it's uh, and uh, this this is where the I I guess paranoid part I do things by design you know because
1: yes it is you're you're right
0: yeah so and and that's why I'm grateful that you you know put forth these uh, analyses because the people who can't read it or don't have the time there's also that you know a lot of people are in their lives and so we need to have that information out there for them so yeah well, we'll keep going and uh I do really hope the great awakening will combat the great reset because yeah mm-hmm. that is my hope <laughs> so yeah well oh, this has been great thank you yeah, and, absolutely uh, we'll, we'll definitely do it again and yeah maybe you'll do it in person next time yeah
1: that'd be fun um yeah I enjoy your podcast and uh thanks for having me back so thank I look you. forward to it
0: Yeah, and tell everybody where they can find you, where they can buy your books and yeah, all that good stuff. You can just
1: go to Jay's Analysis and there's a shop. And uh, in the shop, you can get signed copies of the books there. And then I have a subscription service and basically just access to the last five years of lectures and talks and interviews and going through all these books and white papers that we've mentioned. We've gone through, I don't know, 50 or 60 of them now. Um, And then a whole host of other things there too. So that's where you can find me. Awesome. All right. right. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Have a good night.